Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Welcome to DTNS Experiment Week. All this week, DTNS is on summer vacation, but in its place is Experiment Week, where our producers and contributors are trying out new show ideas and releasing them right here on the DTNS feed. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Tech Op Ed, a topical discussion that gets away from the technology headlines to get to how we really use technology in our lives. I'm Amos, one of the producers for Daily Tech News Show, and this is my experiment. The basic idea for this was a result of so much feedback we receive on DTNS that there isn't enough time getting opinions about the headlines we cover. As a 30-minute show, there's a lot that just doesn't fit. So I wanted to go a little off script and hear the real opinions of our hosts, guests, and collaborators and have them share their experiences and advice in an open conversation. I start this series with a discussion on photography for today's users with Ant Pruitt, host of Hands-On Photography and deliverer of a ton of knowledge in the photography world. Welcome to the conversation, Ant. Hey, what's up, my man? Appreciate you having me. Uh, I couldn't think of someone better to talk cameras with me. And, you know, <laughs> the headlines come out slow and, and steady, but it's, there's never really time for a wrap-up. So, True. Uh, I wanted to bring you on. I wanted to talk about the current state of digital photography, because it's ever-evolving. Uh, in particular, we got some new and very noteworthy cameras that have just come out from all three major manufacturers, Sony, Nikon, and Canon. There's, mm-hmm. uh, of course, you can go, there's tons of camera manufacturers, but those are the big three. So we'll pretty much stick kind of in that, in that realm. Right. And what it means for the amateur, the hobbyist, and the professional photographer. And, I mean, is video something that the average person should worry about on their DSLR? And is a DSLR something they should worry about? When they have a phone in their pocket that has a pretty good camera. Ooh, bro, that's hot button stuff there. I, I, um, and, that's, and that's why this is experiment <laughs> week, because let's just see how this conversation goes. Uh, I'm pretty opinionated on all of that, on yeah. all three of those. Um, from well, a news standpoint, you got the big three. Like you said, they released their cameras, and you can just now say the big three because Nikon was just sort of holding out for the longest yes. on releasing something that people would, would 
be, be able to get excited about. And they finally did just now, right at the time, the time of the, uh, Olympics. So yep. they're finally on the board, but just the overall tech and everything, I, I think this is big for all levels, especially the consumer slash prosumer, because those pro grade cameras, everything that's in that from a tech standpoint is going to end up trickling down to mm-hmm. the prosumer enthusiast cameras that's going to have a much better price point with an, with amazing tech on the inside. Right. To give a little bit of a base point, Canon was the king for a long time. Nikon started edging them out uh, about a decade ago. And yep. then Sony came in with the mirrorless line and ate both their lunches. Yep. And then Canon came back hard and has done a great job at least matching Sony in most aspects. Yep. And Nikon was kind of like, where did you go? And then they just started coming out with things that were intriguing. I'm a Canon shooter by default mm-hmm. because my first camera was a Canon. So as I built my my equipment, I've just continued along that line because it's it's cheaper to keep her, as they say. Exactly. Um, what do you shoot? I'm a Canon guy as well. Okay. I, I just like the Canon ecosystem and... I've always been a fan of Canon's color science Yep. Um, from a photography standpoint. It's totally different on the video side. Um, <laughs> it is. It's it totally is. different on the video side, it but is. I've always been a fan of their color science and, and their glass was always second to none. And like you said, yeah, Sony is definitely just doing this thing and has made some serious improvements over the years with the mirrorless line. But now you're starting to see a little bit more of a, head-to-head matchup even out between Sony and Canon when it comes to color science on both photography and video, as well as glass for both bodies. Now, let's get into it. If you're an amateur photographer, do you need an actual camera, or is your phone good enough? Because the, uh, the phones are really good. Yeah, quite frankly, in about 80% of the cases... I would say your phone is good enough, especially if you spend a thousand dollars on a dadgum smartphone. It better be good enough. It better have something to it, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know. And, and and the old philosophy is the best camera is the one you have with you. And if you have right. your camera with you or your phone with you all the time, that's going to be the camera that you default to. So, right, right. Yeah, you don't see as much point and shoot camera bodies being sold these days anymore, unless you're someone that's like in the Fuji. Fujifilm line of things because they're they're legit enthusiasts. You know they'll have their iPhone twelve plus thirteen plus twenty plus what have you. But if they're a Fujifilm shooter, they're going to have that Fujifilm with them at all times. That's just the type of fans that they are. Yeah. But the rest of the folks, no, if, if point and shoots are sort of a afterthought. Yeah. Even though there are some nice ones out there, but they're, they're sort of an afterthought. Now, when should someone? to that level where they're looking at buying a dedicated camera? I think look at it as a, as a tool. The second you start going at photography and saying, you know what, I have a product that I'm trying to trying to create that happens to be photography, treat everything that's going to create that photography as a tool. And you typically want to invest in better tools as you build out your product. Carpenters don't just go and use the dollar store hammer. They typically spend a little bit more on a better hammer, you know, so spend a little bit more on the camera side of things because you are going to get some better quality than than a phone would. And again, 80 percent of the stuff that most people shoot can be done quite well with a smartphone. But to make or break it is that extra 20 percent, those jobs that are just going to be a little bit next level um, that a 
APSC or even a point and shoot, it's just going to do better. And when you say jobs, you don't necessarily mean for money or anything else. Just you have a task in mind. Like a task at hand. A specific right. picture you want to take and you just can't quite cut it on the phone or the sensor's not doing low light or it's not doing fast motion. Those right. are the kinds of things where you need to say, okay, well, I might want to step into a dedicated camera. Right. Yeah. You know, and don't get me wrong. I totally enjoy what camera AI is doing, the computational photography. I, I, I totally enjoy what it's doing because it's getting a lot more people into photography just by giving it a one-click option, if you will. But at the same time, if you look at Apple's night vision and Google's night sight um, in their, in their um, camera software, and it's trying to basically help create astrophotography, it's not really creating astrophotography. It's creating a simulation. It's, yeah. it's, it's not the same. It's going to look nice, but it's not the same as someone that's sitting out there with their nice tripod, a nice 25 second exposure, uh, locked in focus right where it needs to be. You know, it's, it's, it's a big difference when you compare the two of the same scene. Not saying that, that the smartphone is bad at night photography. It's just not quite the same. It's not that extra 20%. Right. Can you think of some cameras right off the top where someone might want to upgrade to if they're thinking, well, I, I don't have a ton of money to start buying into things, but I would like to go beyond my phone? Oh, yeah. Right off the, right off the head is um, Canon's M50 Mark II. Uh, that thing is, uh, heck, even the, the Mark I is okay. But the Mark II, I think you can get it for roughly $700 now. It is a small body, so it's not bulky or huge or anything like that. It does have a APS-C crop sensor, but that's fine. Um, but it still has plenty of, of processing power to help you get some really nice shots. On my show, wink, wink, plug, plug, hands-on photography, I spoke to Miss Vanessa Joy. She's a Canon Explorer of Light. And on her YouTube channel, she's basically been doing a bit of a challenge uh, to use air quotes, budget photography tools, one of them being the Canon M50, just to show that you can pull off some amazing shots. So if you check out my episode with her, I have some of her images up there and they're just unbelievable. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. 
To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com Claude today. Now, when we're talking amateurs here, we're not. Uh, we're, we're basically talking up to about the thousand dollar mark. Is really the the sweet spot for the amateur line, at least in my mm-hmm. opinion. Because once you go above that, you're that's really a yep. you're kind of that committing. That's to, when you're trying to get those invoices paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, and in the M50 Mark II, it's got it's got all the great color science, everything else that Canon has in their Highline cameras. It's just on a smaller sensor, a smaller body. And uh, still got the interchangeable lenses. Like you can still do amazing things with it and really customize it and trick it out uh, and gradually get up there. Yep. Um, now, for say the hobbyist, the one that's actually one will spend a little money in it, maybe not making money back, but definitely a little more dedicated. I think this is a clear delineation between using your phone in your pocket and using dedicated hardware. Because mm-hmm. once you get to that level, you're really trying to capture specific images. The limitations of the phone, whether that be the low light or the fast action or the depth of field, you know, genuine depth of field, not simulated depth of field. Yep. Um, these are things that you're really going to be looking into. And I think this is this is kind of the most interesting of the markets. You know, and that's another thing. A, a camera on your phone is more sort of the candid, the, the candid type of photography, you know, Snapchat, and you're out yeah. and about and, and, oh, this looks nice. Let me pull out the camera. Boom. Click. Done. Uh, again, if you have a dedicated camera body, you are a little bit more deliberate. Not saying this is the old days of film where we really had to be deliberate because film costs a crap ton of money to get, Especially to now. get, and, right. So, but it's digital. So you, you still can, you're still going to be a little bit more deliberate about it because you, 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 you just have a certain mindset and focus in what you're trying to capture. Yeah. And this is where you're going to be getting into, uh, the rebel line. You know, I guess yep. is, is that that's still a thing. I don't know how they've kept that name around for so long, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, considering, but yeah, it's still there. They have the T seven line yep. and I believe they had the T eight. I think they still have it. They just had a T eight 2019. And then can't remember. And then this is where you've got the D 90. We're, we're going to talk mostly Canon models, but you can find equivalencies pretty much everywhere. Cause this is what we know. Um, but yeah, the D 90 is going to be your next level up from that. And yep. these are all amazing cameras. And this is where you start getting into the glass that you can turn on to for t- professional camera bodies later right. on. If right. you know, if you want to go down that route. Right. If you want to, if you want to step it up and you, you start to see, huh, if I just buy one extra lens and put that on this body, Oh my gosh, the big difference that comes from that, that new glass. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, now the professional photography, this is, most people will never get to this level. You know, most of us should never spend the money on it, even though many of us have myself included. (laughs) This is where we start getting into the R5, which Canon will say it's not a professional camera, but it 
it's got all the features and the recently, I wouldn't say released, but at least available for reviewers that are three. Uh, this is where Sony is really kicking all the butts with, uh, with the a seven series and the, the, you know, Nikon's coming in with their series. It's, this is where all the tech is happening, all the new innovations in cameras. Yeah. Uh, I, I do agree with Canon when they say it's not, um, speaking of the R5, when they say it's not a pro camera, I do agree with them because from a weather sailing standpoint, it's not quite the same as you would get on that 1D line. It's, it's, it's definitely nice and protected, but it's still not quite the same. Uh, and then when you start getting into its video concerns, if you're trying to shoot high resolution, I'm not even talking 8K, uh, just shooting in, in, 10 bit 4k on it. It's, it's, it starts to heat up pretty quickly in the hands and that's just not a professional body. It's going to be pretty high end, but it's not considered a pro in my opinion. Um, but what they're doing with that R5 and R6 is, is unbelievable. And I'm not going to sleep on Sony and their a one. I got the chance to play with that camera, dude, that mm. <laughs> it's, it, it, it shocked me. Um, cause and, I, I'm and never Sony's really got the, Sony's got the small body factor down. In my opinion, well, they're a little chunky. They're not very ergonomic, but they're the small body, a lot of power in it, great color science. The autofocus is rivaled only, you know, depending on your preferences by Canon. Like it's it's kind of ridiculous what they're doing with that camera. Well, which 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 was the last Sony that you got your hands on? The uh A seven R two, I believe. Okay, so there, I'll tell you now, because I did not like mirrorless when I first got my hands on them. And when I first got my hands on them, it was the Sony, and it was the A7R. Yeah, it was A7R2. And uh, it did not feel right. Right. It didn't feel right until the A7R4, because um, Bossman's got one of those. And I shot with, with that at CES, and it was a big, big difference from a you know mobility and handling standpoint. And then that A1... Oh man! You, if you were to grab that A1, you'd love it. Uh, it. It's it's not what you're thinking of when you think of Sony uh, mirrorless of your. It's it's so much more ergonomically sound. They took a they took a beating in the press from the reviewers that got their hands on it and said, you know what, we need to fix these ergonomics. It's so much better. All of the buttons are in the right spot. All of the grooves are in the right spot. And you get, and again, you get all the tech that's on the inside. And that silent shutter, mm, just oh, killer. Yeah, some some of the features that Sony's been touting for a while, like their panorama features and things like that, like you can just spray in a direction and the camera yeah. will slap it together and it it looks good. It doesn't look janky like we've seen in right. previous generations of camera and things and like you know, it, it's really fun to watch the innovation there. But yep. it all comes at a cost and these are not cheap cam none of these are cheap cameras. The R five, the R six, eh, it's cheaper. It's the R6 above, is cheaper, but it's still well above that thousand dollar threshold. I think the R6 is is okay. All right, so I think it's <laughs> it, it. I think it's priced fairly for what you're getting out of it. Okay. I think the R5 is slightly overpriced because of what the R6 is doing. Yeah. Um, I did a head to head with the R6 and the R5, and. I basically had to ask myself, is this R5 $1,500 better than this R6? And I can't say yes to that. It's, it's better, 
but I don't think it's $1,500 better. I did pixel for pixel and in, in looking at the images and looking at the video and that R6 is holding its own. It's, it's, you can sell a lot of products with the R6. You, you can, um, yep. and, put it in the right hands. <laughs> and and they, they both have the full frame sensor. So you're getting more light per pixel. So a lot of the low light stuff, a lot of people are doing low light, uh, comparisons between the R6 and R5 and the R6 is really handling its own. The R5 has the higher resolution over twice the resolution, but if in the, in the wrong circumstance, that doesn't matter. Right. You I know. mean, you got bigger pixels on that R6. It's, that's that's the just the gist of it. Yeah. Bigger pixels, able to capture more light. Yeah. Now, Canon did just put the R3, which is definitely a professional camera. Yep. In the hands of reviewers, some people have seen it. They can't say anything about it yet because of NDAs, but they're they have it in their hands. They showed it off. It yep. looks like it's that's that's the true successor at least for now, for the 1D series, which was Canon's professional line, that if you've seen any football highlight pictures or, or you know, racing pictures, things like that, it probably came off of a 1D series. Yeah, no doubt. In the last 20 years. Yeah, this body on this R3, it just, it's definitely screaming the 1D series, but it's just slightly smaller because it's yep. mirrorless. Um, but it still has everything a professional photographer is going to need from a weather sailing standpoint and allegedly performance standpoint. <laughs> now, do you think Sony or Nikon is going to have something fairly soon to match that? Because Sony's never really been about the professional market as we think of, you know, sports photographers and things like that. They're, they're you know, they've, I don't know if they've ever really reached into that particular market, but I would love to see what they could do with it with a bigger body, you know, a, a more, more abilities and more battery power, things like that. I, I, I would love to see that. Do you think something like that would happen with, with Sony? From Sony? No, I don't think so. From Nikon, I'd give them another year and a half or so uh, because Nikon, they have some stuff to work on from an autofocus standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, that's where they fail from the professional line. These pros are, especially dealing with sports and wildlife, these pros need it quick. They need it to lock right then and there. And quite frankly, Nikon's just not doing it. They have improved, but they just they just hadn't been there where um, Canon and Sony has been. Yeah, and I think the big advantage for Canon right now, honestly, if you're looking at you know the the tech behind it, I think Sony still has it, still has Canon beat. But Canon did the right thing; they took a, forever to come out with a mirrorless body. But when they did, they came out with a lineup of glass, and they've just kept improving it. And that Canon glass is just man, that the Canon RF line, it is. <laughs> And sometimes I'm thinking it's a little too sharp. That's how clear that stuff is, man. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yeah. I was um I got my hands on the R6, R5, and also the C70, their cinema camera that's using the RF mount. And so I'm playing around with the C70, just shooting some random footage of of my boys as part of my testing or whatever. And I put it into Resolve or Premiere, and, and every single time I had to dial back sharpnesses because it just it it just looked ridiculously sharp. It, it's um, it's really hitting that uncanny valley of <laughs> it's sharper than film in a lot of cases. In yeah. your mind, once that film looks, you kind of yeah. I want a little bit. Of, I want a little bit of blur. I'm not, don't get yeah. me wrong. I'm a bit of an oddball. I'm not the biggest fan of 24 frames per second. I much mm -hmm. rather see 29.97. Yeah, but dude, this was like 
oh, wait a minute. Am I looking at a soap opera? It, it was so sharp. <laughs> so I yeah. had to dial it back. And I figured out it was it's definitely the RF glass because I had some EF glass from Canon um, that had the adapter. And it, mm-hmm. it was, no, n- not even close. <laughs> it, that's, it's kind of, kind of ridiculous. I just recently picked up some new glass for my R5. And I was taking pictures of downtown Nashville at night with a 15 to 35 RF, and it it was it was really uncanny like i i felt it, it almost sucked me into the picture um yeah that's, that's not an attribute, <laughs> attribute of, of my photography skills that was no that's just the systems that they're going yeah in. and when you look at you know like if you're trying to autofocus sony will not let you down canon i've found mm-hmm. still is a little wishy-washy just a just a hair behind the sony's that i've seen uh mm-hmm. but the the pictures when you nail it 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 just comes out, comes to life. It's just amazing. And I don't, like, I don't even know where they go from here. Like <laughs> that's what's what? scary is like, can it get better? And you start to wonder, I don't know if I want it to get any right. better in some, some instances Exactly. Um, that, that autofocus, uh, you, you touched on that. And that, that, that's something that still sticks out to me in my head is, is the way Sony's um, autofocus performance is just ridiculous from like catching onto the eye of your mm-hmm. subject whether it's an animal or a person, it really does it quick. Canon does it too, but it's not, not quite as quick. I found it interesting that with the C70, the cinema camera, it was worse off on autofocus versus the R5 mm. uh, when it comes to shooting video. And it's, it, it, it's a larger body. It's got a little more, I don't want to say more processing power, but it's got more room to. It's got more processing power, but it's on a Super 35 sensor. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got a whole different depth of field to deal with and that crop factor to deal with, but it, it still bugged me a little bit because I was used to the way things would lock on with the other mirrorless bodies and it, every now and then I missed the shot, you know, and I just had yeah. to learn how to sort of pre-plan it because I knew it, it was going to take it just a breath longer yeah. versus the R5. And that's what I found with the EOS R. That's why I could never quite get into that so much. I tried to go in from the ADD. Uh, mm-hmm. to the EOS R and the R became my, my stills camera, like just, you know, shooting things around the house or taking it out to, uh, doing portraiture. Whereas I stayed with the ADD for my sports photography, for shooting my mm-hmm. kids soccer games and things like that. Cause it just seemed a, a slight lag, but the R5 completely removed all that. Dude, talk about an old, fateful, old, reliable camera. That ADD, <laughs> that that's. I mean, how old is that thing? But it's you could still get some work done with that thing, especially for an APS-C sensor. It yeah. really just. And I'm, I went up to that from a T1i from the from you know Ooh. beginning of. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, it, I I didn't realize how bad my glass was until I got in, got that new camera and I was like, wait, this is it's. You know, four generations newer of processor and everything. It was, it was completely different. Um, <laughs> so for the average consumer, going from your phone to a dedicated ca- camera body, there are some significant changes as you go up the price scale. As you're getting up into these higher-end cameras, they start touting the video capabilities. How important is it to have a dedicated video camera or is buying the next higher up of still camera for its video capability, the way to go, where do you fall on that spectrum? Uh, that depends on the artists. Um, you have content creators, uh, such as myself. I, people 
look me up and, and assume that I'm a photographer. I never, ever claim that. I am openly saying that I am a digital content creator. I will shoot photos. I will shoot video. I will write. Um, there are people that are dedicated photographers. That's what they do. There are people that are dedicated videographers. That's what they do. So I say it depends on the art as far as what you invest in. Because again, it goes back to that whole, you want to dollar store hammer? Or do you want to go get something a little bit nicer from Home Depot? You know, right. For me, I like having hybrid opportunities. Uh, but at the same time, I've gotten to the position where I can spend a little more money on things that are just doing a dedicated job. You know, my, my Canon is a dedicated shooter for portraiture. Um, but then when I'm getting ready to do my show, I completely went overkill on my black magic pocket cinema 6k <laughs> camera. <laughs> for Skype. But I also could use Yeah, right. You know, it's total overkill, but I could still use that if I want to go work on a video project because I want to do more short films here. I've decided I want to do that more as a hobby, um, from time to time outside of doing a project here and there. Um, but if I have a project come up for, say, like the local pizza shop or local coffee shop or whatever, and they want to do some social media stuff, I'm going to pull out that cinema camera because uh, it's that's the best tool for that job. Yeah. Uh, but if someone is, is a fairly hybrid person, definitely stick to the hybrid line because they are doing fairly well on both sides of that spectrum. Uh, again, Canon's R6 and R5 is going to give you great photo and great video, period. Um, Sony with the A7R4 is going to give you great photo and video and A1, which is way too expensive for most people. Um, <laughs> it's going to give you great photo and video, you know? Yeah. I, I've personally gone the route of, I bought my R5 knowing it had the overheating issues that have been addressed, but not solved. Right. Um, but I never really enjoyed shooting video on my DSLRs before. So when I get into the mirrorless range, I didn't plan on it. And doing as much video shooting as I do, I need something reliable. So I went ahead and went dedicated because when you're recording three hours, six hours of soccer yeah. um, at the top <laughs> of a 16-foot tripod... Yeah. You know, I, I needed it. not going to cut it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not putting, no, at all. Um, you know, the ADD wouldn't have cut it either for, you know, for all fairness. Right. Um, but the capabilities built into my XF400 with my yeah. remote zoom capability and all that stuff and the ability to put it into a dedicated monitor, which, I mean, you could really do with anything, but the setup yeah. that I have, it was a dedicated video camera. And it doesn't have the um, lockdown of cutting you off after so many minutes of recording. Right, right. which is purely an American thing, by the way. It's, yep. It has to do with Tax. taxes. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I went I went with the dedicated solution, but I didn't go with the high-end de- dedicated solution. I went with the literally the cheapest and I, I stayed Canon because it's just what mm-hmm. I know. I'm, I know the menus. I know the formats, everything else. I went with the cheapest Canon dedicated video camera with 4K capability at 60 frames a second, which was the XF400. And that's still a pretty nice camera it, to be the, the quote-unquote cheapest. Well, I bought it about a year ago, but it ran me 26 on sale. There's another one that's like fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, the the, the, X, the XF fifty, the two digit XF line is is a little bit cheaper. It's in the about the fifteen hundred dollar range. 
okay. but it doesn't do 60 frames a second. And for soccer, oh. I wanted oh, that, okay. that 4K 60. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So, because, you know, doing soccer highlight videos for people and trying to turn that into a business opportunity, you know, yeah. uh, I wanted to make sure that I had all all the pixels. All the frames. All the, yeah, all the frames. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted all the things. So, but I went that line and that's what I'm comfortable with because using a, a dedicated camera body, I like to shoot stills. I just don't like the way the ergonomics, I don't like the way the, the you know, rolling focus and different, or rolling shutter and the focus and mm-hmm. everything else. I just don't, I'm not. Yeah. Rolling I, shutter can be pretty bad yeah. on all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with you completely. It really depends on what you want to do. And for me, videography was the lowest of my priorities. I had a minimum threshold I wanted to reach. So I went out and got a dedicated camera that would meet that minimum threshold. And that also allows me to have my camera on my hip. So if I want to just snap some photos while I'm recording or whatever else, I can easily do that. Don't have to switch menus. There's no confusion there. So nice. um, But that's really that's really more of a monetary capability than a camera capability in my mind. So if you're coming up from a phone, shouldn't have gotten this black magic for my (laughs) Skype calls, huh? Is that what you're saying? Uh, Not for Skype, (laughs) but. I'm, I, but to be honest, the decent Skype camera, if you're wanting to go that route, is still. I mean, I've got a two hundred dollar Logitech Brio. Yeah, yeah, which is it's amazing, <laughs> but it's like that's still two hundred dollars. You know, if I wasn't doing online streaming and getting paid to do it, I would mm-hmm. not. You know, yeah. the C nine twenty at at eighty bucks at sale on at Best Buy would have been just fine. You know, mm-hmm. but it gets different when you start stepping into a professional role and you need. You know, slightly better capabilities, but you you, mm-hmm. you definitely overshot the mark there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to wrap up, what is uh, some advice that you can give someone that they're looking, they're, they're trying to take their photography seriously. They're really good at it. They found a niche that they really want to explore and they want to move on beyond their camera. Should they go just the next level or they, should they jump up the intermediate 1000 to 3000 level. I mean, where, where do you think they should go? Cause obviously no one should go to the pro level that, that 3000 plus, unless you yeah. are dedicated to the craft and trying to turn it into a business. But yeah. where do you, where do you think they should go? If they're coming from um, the latest iPhone or latest Android phone? Uh, this is going to sound weird, but my initial advice is to take those images that are, um, that you're shooting with your phone per se, that you, you're, you're top, Five. I wouldn't go any more than that. Take those top five Im- images and share them with someone you don't know. Um, share them and get some type of feedback and critique and find out what happens with that. Because a lot of times we get a lot of kudos and, and likes and all of that stuff from social media, from our friends, from our family and people that just follow us just just because or whatever. And that's not always the best feedback. Sometimes you need some criticism. If you can survive <laughs> those criticisms from complete strangers and they let you know that you're, you're basically ready for that next step, then that's when you take that next step. Because I think most people should continue to hone their skills with a phone because a phone is going to force you to understand the limitations of a camera, any camera, not just your phone, any camera and work within those limitations to create beautiful compositions and beautiful stories. Cause those are the images that make money. Mm-hmm. If we just want to be frank, um, when you go out and buy, um, 
photography to, to hang up on your walls. It's, it's, it's not just pretty colors. There's usually something that captivates you that, that makes you stop in your tracks to grab that, that, that picture and say, you know what? I want to buy this and hang it up somewhere. So there's some type of story in there. There's some type of captivating composition there. If you can lock that down using a phone, then let's go ahead and start looking at the next thing and, and getting into more pixels and stuff like that. I completely agree. It's that constructive criticism, especially if you have a local photography group, uh, let them be your judge. And if you still want to continue and you want to hone the craft, that's when you, I think you should go with the, the entry level stuff. Yep. Um, I would always, if you're really taking it seriously, always go with something with interchangeable lenses just because that's going to give you the maximum flexibility. Um, but if you, if you start showing things around to your photography group and people that you don't really know, and you start getting that wow factor and you have the money, then I would say step into that prosumer area, that thousand to $3,000 to whichever brand you choose, you're going to get amazing results. And if you're really serious about it, that's where you go. And I, I, I think that's, that's, that would be my advice. And to piggyback off your advice, the interchangeable lens option, that's, I think that's key as well as the, um, the manufacturer side of it. Looking at the interchangeable lens part of it, that forces you again f- to think a certain way. Um, this is, it's dealing with limitations. You know, you have a, a, a handful of lenses in your kit. I know you do. I have a handful of lenses in my kit, but there are some days where I will just grab one prime lens and force myself to shoot with that regardless of what the subject is, because it's going to force me to think a certain way about the shot and how I can actually capture it within those limitations. So do that. And again, to help continue to challenge yourself and and get you growing as a photographer, not just a person that's taking pictures. Now the manufacturer stuff, it's starting to slow down a little bit, but at one point in time here on these wonderful internets, you get a lot of arguments. Oh, you need to get Sony. Oh, you need to get Canon. Oh, you need to get Nikon. Oh, Fujifilm. Who shoots Fujifilm? Right. But no, it, it's, you need to just let all of that stuff go. Yeah. <laughs> just let all that stuff go because at this point in time, they are all solid. Yep. They're all going to have some sort of limitation somewhere. Uh, I mean, I, I've ragged on Nikon and it's autofocus, but uh, I bet you could still pull some great images out of it. Yep. You know, so just throw all of that stuff out of the window. Go pick up the camera body if possible. Um, put it in your hands because the manufacturer is not going to matter so much. The ergonomics is what's going to matter. Yeah. And look at the menus. Like all the other, all I think the ergonomics <laughs> is probably the most important part of it because, like, for me, not only does the Canon feel best in my hand. Yeah, but I understand here. the menus and that's probably because I came from, you know, shooting point and shoots with Canon, but yeah, you know, the, if you can't find an option and you need to switch quickly, it doesn't matter how good the camera is. You're going to miss the shot. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And, and every brand, every major manufacturer has what they call a nifty 50, a, yep. a fairly cheap, yep, uh, usually about a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, usually pretty wide 1.8 aperture, uh, that you can slap onto their cameras and, if you just want a prime lens that's that's great for a lot of situations and you want to test yourself out, that's an easy investment to make for a prime lens to just go out there and explore and really test yourself. And uh, I think that I, I heard that advice early. I didn't follow it and I should have. And it's, 
Like, it, yeah, I can't, I can't. Hard hit it. Yeah, yeah. I can't overstate just how awesome those nifty 50s are, those thrifty 50s, if you will. They're, yeah. they're, they're cheap, they're powerful, and for the most part, they're exceptionally durable. Yeah, um, you'd be surprised how many people have those in their kit, and and, and they're making money off of it. So yeah, think yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Ant, where can people find you if they want to hear more about your photography, some of it about your videography, and more stories about your kids and their sports? Because I know how much you love that. <laughs> oh, you mean my future retirement plan? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Your your four hundred one kid plan. Yeah. <laughs> You can find me on social media with Twitter and Instagram. I am Ant underscore Pruitt. So give me a follow over there and tag me if you have any questions and feedback. But I would love for you to go and check out my show. Go ahead and subscribe to Hands On Photography on twit.tv. That's uh, the URL is twit.tv slash hop. Twit.tv slash H-O-P for Hands On Photography. And the title kind of says it all. You can have a lot of a lot of photography shows out there are theoretical photography. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely trying to push to to help people get better at it. So mm-hmm. it's there's some tutorials in it and there's some advice in it and it's all quick hitter because I know everybody's got a short attention span these days. So <laughs> so my show is going to give you roughly 15 minutes of of information. Yeah, and it's again, hands-on photography. It's just it it is what it is. He teaches from experience and he gives advice from experience and talks to people with experience. No doubt. Um, And of course you can find more shows just like this or vastly different because it is experiment week here at daily tech news show. And you can find all of our information at dailytechnewsshow.com and hope to see more shows with great tech angles right here in your feed. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.